0: You know, I've lived in DC for about three years now, and by far, one of my favorite things about this city is that so many people have moved here from all around the world because they want to make a difference. People are looking out at the world, seeing that there's brokenness and suffering, and they come to a place like DC because they want to do something about it. Some of you, that's your story. You moved here to make a difference. And in a similar way, Jesus Christ came to the earth. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. And Jesus came because he saw brokenness in the world and knew that he was the only hope to do anything about it. And even though many of Jesus' contemporaries begged him to take power as a political leader or overthrow their adversaries with military might, Jesus came to do something far more important than any any cultural or political or social cause. Jesus came to bring sinners back to God. He came to bring rebels back to the king. And in so doing, he came to end all suffering forever. Friends, if you take one thing home today, I want it to be this. That we all need Jesus to save us. And that's why Jesus came to save us. What's the meaning of Christmas? We all need Jesus to save us. And that's why Jesus came to save us. So what I want to do tonight with you is I want to look at one passage from the Bible that talks about why Jesus came. It's a, a letter written to Christians by an early church leader named the Apostle Paul, to his young apprentice, Timothy. And from this short portion of the letter, I want us to see three things that we have to believe about Jesus, because they're true. Three things about Jesus, and all of these will culminate, will come together to prove to you that we all need Jesus to save us. And that's why Jesus came to save us. So if you have a Bible, open it up to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We'll be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. Let me read it for you now. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, I want you to hear three things from this passage of the, of the Bible, from God's Word. The first of those things is that Jesus really came. There's a lot of ideas floating, around, floating out in the world about who Jesus is and what he came to do. But you can't say with any kind of intellectual honesty that Jesus didn't really live. There's no reason to doubt that Jesus really did come, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. We read that this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world. Christ Jesus came into the world, friends. That's not just a religious slogan, it's a historical fact. And it's so historical and reliable that it's trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. We believe in Jesus, we Christians believe in Jesus by faith, but there is evidence for Jesus, an astounding amount of evidence for Jesus. Multiple ancient witnesses testify to his life, like the first century Roman historian, Tacitus. He wasn't a Christian, and yet in his books, he testified to the fact that a man named Jesus of Nazareth lived, ministered, amassed a following, and then was crucified under Pontius Pilate. If one witness isn't enough, then there's many other early Christian witnesses, most prominently the four Gospels in the New Testament, which were early Christian biographies of Jesus, describing who he is and what he came to do. And those four Gospels were written early on in the first century, while followers of Jesus who witnessed these events were still alive if they were false or or fabricated in any way, or if they played fast and loose with the facts, then people would have risen up and pointed them out and said, that's not what had happened. I was there in Galilee in those days. And yet we have no record of any early objections to the content, the historical content, of the four Gospels of the New Testament. Some people say today, well, that's just because those four Gospels were changed. There was a lot of extra religious content that was brought in over the years. And if that's the case, then then there was a massive cover-up job because the fact of the matter is there's more than 12 times more early copies of the New Testament than there are of any of the writings of Homer or Aristotle. Maybe you doubt all this evidence. Even if you don't believe anything that I just told you, something happened. Something happened in Israel that somehow exploded into a global movement. Something happened. And again, some people say today that men just made up the stories about Jesus and his teachings in order to accumulate power for themselves. And if that's the case, they did a pretty poor job at this massive conspiracy theory because the early Christians never received power. The fact of the matter is that early Christians were imprisoned, beaten, beheaded, even boiled alive, because they wouldn't stop proclaiming that Jesus Christ lived and died for sinners and rose again. For more than 200 years after Jesus Christ left the earth, Christians were brutally persecuted by the government. And then they only received a short reprieve before they received nearly a hundred more years of persecution. Why on earth Would people endure all of that so that Christianity following after Jesus could explode into a global movement? Because these people had seen Jesus. They believed that he had died for sinners and rose again and that he was still alive and he was worthy of our lives. They had seen Jesus and they knew that he was worth it. Friends, say what you will about Jesus tonight, but you can't say with any kind of intellectual honesty that he didn't really live. So I say, something happened. What was it? First Timothy tells us, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. He was outside of it and he stepped into it. Christ Jesus was outside of the world and he stepped into it. Maybe if you've got really good friends that are a little bit silly and you come into the party and they say, So and so has entered the building. Christ Jesus entered the building. He was outside of the world and he came into the world. And how on earth could he have been outside of the world? Because he's not a mere creation. He's not another man. Jesus Christ is God himself, the creator of heaven and earth. Everything that you've ever seen, anything that you've ever touched, has been created by Jesus Christ. He was not merely a compelling speaker. He was not merely a gifted teacher. He was not merely a great leader. Jesus Christ is God himself. And what on earth could have motivated the creator of everything to enter into this disaster of a world full of brokenness and suffering? Compassion. He was motivated by compassion. He saw the brokenness in the world. And he knew that he was the only hope, the only one who could end suffering and make things right. That leads to the second truth I want you to know about Jesus tonight. Number one, Jesus really came. And number two, Jesus really can help you. The world that God had created was broken by sin and full of suffering. God's design had been distorted by our rebellion. And Jesus came to make things right. Friends, we have a great need for salvation because we're sinners and we need help. We're not basically good people like some people believe today. We're rebelling against the king of kings. And the Bible calls that sin. So Paul's letter to Timothy continues. 1 Timothy 1.15 Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So why did Jesus come? What was his purpose? His purpose was to save sinners. Friends, if Jesus is the creator of everything you've ever seen, then he has a right to dictate how creation ought to function. Because he's a king. And as a king, he's declared laws that are good and right and trustworthy. And like in our society, when laws are violated, justice must be done. And in the same way, Jesus is the king of kings. He's created laws, and when his laws are violated, justice must be done. I recently read a novel, a murder mystery novel. I don't usually read that kind of thing, but I I read a book, wanted to broaden my horizons, I guess, and and it was a really long book. It It was a chunky thing, and I got to the end of it, and the bad guys won. The villains got away. And the good guys lost decidedly. And it was so disappointing. I, I, I was listening to the audiobook. I listened to the last chapter like three times in the car. And I was like, what? That, that's how it ends? I've given 30 hours listening to this audiobook, book. And it's, it's like the bad guys get away. Oh, friends, it was so unsatisfying. And in the same way, it would be unsatisfying if God's justice weren't done. If our rebellion against God wasn't justly and rightly punished. Friends, we've all disobeyed God's laws. The Bible calls that sin, and our sin needs to be paid for. You might say tonight, well, I'm not that bad. Sure, I've, I've done some wrong things, but I'm not that bad. I'm better than Hitler, better than that guy over there. But friends, God's standard is not Hitler. God's standard is not that guy over there. God's standard is not how you compare to your coworkers or to your neighbor, Because nobody likes that guy. God's standard is how you compare to himself. And because that's God's standard, it's a perfect and unchanging standard. And so anything short of God's perfection in our lives is sin. And because God's just, he has to punish that. He has to. Or it would be the most unsatisfying creation story we could have ever imagined. We've all experienced the consequences of sin in our lives if we're if we're honest with ourselves. Maybe you've been caught in a lie and you just feel the shame after doing something wrong. Friends, those consequences that we've felt and experienced are just the tip of the iceberg. That every part of our hearts are broken and full of sin. Everything that we do is done in impurity nothing that we do matches up to god's perfect unchanging standard which is himself we're sinners deserving of just condemnation and how does jesus respond does he kill us does he obliterate us does he zap us with a bolt of lightning? Any of those would be reasonable responses, but that's not how Jesus responds. In the most stunningly counterintuitive way, Jesus, the King of Kings, whose laws have been grossly violated, steps into creation not with condemnation, but with salvation. With love to his enemies. With love to his enemies. Jesus Christ came, and he's the only one who's lived a perfect life. I'm not here saying that you're a sinner and that the rest of us are all right. I'm saying that I'm a mess. And my only hope is that Jesus came and lived a perfect life. But Jesus didn't just live a perfect life, to give you a good example. Jesus' perfect life ended with a brutal execution, crucifixion. And that was about the worst way possible imaginable to die. To be hung on a Roman cross. It was excruciating pain. It was publicly humiliating, as you would have been mocked and stripped and beaten violently for hours upon hours. When someone died of crucifixion, they didn't die because there were nails through their hands and feet, they died eventually under the weight of their own body. They suffocated as blood filled their lungs. That's nasty. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus died. The only one who's never deserved a punishment took on the worst imaginable punishment. Why? For our sins. Friends, at the cross, Jesus took your sins, the sins that you've earned, he took that punishment on himself. So that if you look to Jesus in faith, you cannot be held accountable for your sin. You cannot be punished for your sin. Sure, there may be consequences, but you will not be separated from God anymore because Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And because he is perfect, not even death could hold him. And so Jesus rose victoriously from the dead three days later. Some of you are thinking, I thought that was Easter, not Christmas. It's all connected. Jesus came to save sinners. And that means he came to live a perfect life. He came to die for your sins. And he came to raise again from the dead. And he came to ascend into heaven. And he came to sit on a throne at the right hand of God the Father forever and ever and ever. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And so what does that mean for our lives? Paul continues in 1 Timothy 1 16, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Friends, what do sinners receive from Jesus the beginning of this verse? They receive mercy. What is mercy? It's help for the helpless. What does Jesus do for people like you and me who have completely blown it? Does he say, get your act together? No, he extends mercy. He extends mercy, not condemnation. And how does he do it? How does he extend this mercy? Is it with a roll of an eyes and a grunt from his voice saying, I can't believe I'm doing this for you. Have some help. No. Jesus Christ is displaying his perfect patience. And Paul's here writing about his own story of Jesus' perfect patience and mercy flowing to him as an example Jesus saves sinners with perfect patience. Friends, we are all sinners. We are all messed up. We've all owe a debt to God. And Jesus comes not as a demanding boss who always asks for more. Jesus comes not as an abusive spouse who is constantly criticizing everything you do. Jesus does not come as an enabling friend who just encourages you in your worst habits. Jesus is a savior with perfect patience. No matter how many times we rebel against him, there is sufficient grace in our risen Savior, Jesus, who came to save sinners. You might be thinking tonight, friends, well, that sounds pretty all right. I would like to do that. I would like to receive help from Jesus because my life isn't all put together, because I have sinned against God. How is this wonderful work of God credited to my account? Is it like a scholarship where you have to apply and the best-looking application gets the reward? Well, if that was the case, then what I would tell you to do is to clean your act up, do more good things, at least enough to outweigh your bad things. You should probably come to church more often, do more religious things, probably give yourself to feed the poor, and maybe Jesus will reward you. Friends, that's not why Je- That's not how Jesus saves Salvation is not for the best-looking people on the outside. Salvation is for those, look again at verse 16, for those who believe in him for eternal life. Friends, we've offended Jesus, and his response is not condemnation, but salvation, to help you and to save you. This is why Jesus died, to save you so that anyone who believes in him would not die separated from God forever but would be raised to endless life and this is why jesus died but he couldn't stay dead he's still alive today and that leads to the third thing i want you to know about jesus jesus really came jesus really can help you and number 3 jesus really is the king Whether you trust in Jesus or not, take him or leave him, he's still the king. And he has authority over your life. So friends, I'm here today as a herald, as an ambassador for the king of kings, and telling you, calling you, inviting you, bow. Because he is the king of kings. Paul ends this section of his letter in verse 17, To the king of the ages... Immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Friends, Jesus Christ is the King of all ages. His authority knows no boundaries in space or in time. And long after every Republican and Democrat and Independent is long forgotten, King Jesus will still be sitting on a throne. We sang a few minutes ago, What child is this? We sang. come peasant king to own him. The most powerful men and women on this planet are just peasants before Jesus because he is the king of kings. He is the king of all ages. He is immortal. He died once by his own choice, but he will never die again. He is the only God. He's the creator and owner of the universe. Friends, he is able to help you. He is powerful enough to help you. He made it all. And he is good and kind enough to help you. So come to him and find true and lasting life and peace. Jesus is the king. He doesn't need you. That's why Christianity isn't about doing the right thing or being a better person. Because what good could we possibly bring to this Jesus that he doesn't already have? We are peasants. He's the king of kings. What good thing could we possibly bring to him that he doesn't already have? Friends, you're invited today to know this Jesus. Not because he needs you, but because you need him. And he stands here tonight, friends, ready to save anyone who looks to him with belief. To trust that we've sinned, but that there's nothing good we could do to make up for it. To trust that Jesus really did live a perfect life, really did die for sinners, really did rise from the dead. We bring our sin to Jesus and he brings life to us. You're invited, friends, today to know the King of Kings. He stands ready to help you. We all need Jesus to save us and that's why he came to save us. Come to treasure Jesus. Look to him in faith. Find forgiveness for your sins and life that's more powerful than death. If you want to learn more about what it means to trust in Jesus or maybe tonight you're even ready to put your faith in Jesus. You want to become his follower. You want to give your life to this king of kings because he alone is able to save you. We're going to have some prayer counselors up in the room after our last song. We'd love for you to come up and pray with us. And we'll just talk with you a little bit about what it means to trust in King Jesus and how he really can save you. Come and talk to one of the prayer counselors. They'll be up here at this side of the room after our last song. It'll be a private place for you. Or maybe you could also just talk to the person who invited you here tonight. Friends, we all need Jesus to save us. And that's why Jesus came to save us.